Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Open your Bible. If you have a Bible, if not, we'll be up here on the screen. I want to first look at a couple of scriptures. Um, go to Matthew uh, chapter 4, if we have that up there on the slide. If we can go to Matthew chapter 4, uh, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Matthew 4.23. It says that Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and this is, this is the main part, this is in gray, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say the gospel of the kingdom. This is the message that Jesus is preaching, the gospel of the kingdom. And as he's preaching this gospel, this is what's amazing to me. As Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom, there is all kinds of stuff going on. Healing of all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. In other words, when Jesus preaches, stuff happens. When Jesus preaches, stuff happens. When I preach, sometimes I wonder... <laughs> <laughs> if anything happened. Um, but man, when Jesus preaches the gospel of the kingdom, all kinds of sicknesses are being healed. All kinds of diseases are being healed. Miracles, signs and wonders are happening as Jesus is preaching. Now, what was Jesus preaching? Well, in order to see that, you got to rewind a little bit in Matthew um, chapter 4. We can get that other slide up there. Matthew four seventeen. just a few verses prior to this. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, this was his message, one sentence sermon. I know some of you wish I could preach more like Jesus, but, but I, I, I'm sorry, I'm just not as good as him. In one sentence, he rocks out. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, there's, a, there's a two, two main parts of his sermon. One, a call to action, repent. And uh, that is, by the way, what we're dealing with uh, in our small group this week. So just so you know, I'm not going to be able to even get, I'm not even going to be able to touch on that. Uh, but he does say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what I want to talk to you about today is that kingdom. I want to talk to you about the kingdom of heaven because this is, by the way, this is the gospel that Jesus preached. Most of us, when we think of the gospel, uh, we think of the story of how Jesus came to earth as a little baby, born of a virgin, uh, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, uh, was buried for three days, on the third day rose again from the dead. He's now seated at the right hand of the Father. We believe that. We usually, when we, when we mean the gospel, that's what we mean. We mean the story of, of, of the life of Christ, the redemption that Christ purchased with his own blood, right? Many times what we're talking about, we're, just, we're talking about the atonement. We're talking about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus and the atoning work of Jesus. But what's interesting to me is that when, in Matthew chapter 4, see, none of that stuff had happened yet. Jesus hadn't died he hadn't been crucified, certainly. He hadn't risen from the dead. And so it says, though, that he's preaching the gospel, and all of these miracles are happening. 
He's preaching the gospel and his disciples are even getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus at one point breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. His, his disciples, he, he, he calls 70 men together and sends them out two by two and they go out preaching. Well, what exactly were they preaching? They weren't preaching that Jesus has died, he's, he, he was crucified, he's risen again from the dead. That wasn't their sermon because it hadn't happened yet. And yet, everywhere they went, demons were subjected to them. Everywhere they went, healings and miracles and signs and wonders were happening. And they came back and Jesus said, you, you guys shouldn't even be that excited about all the signs and stuff. You ought to be more excited about the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, wait a minute. Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't risen from the dead yet. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Miracles are happening, all that kind of stuff. And so it's interesting to me, the gospel that we preach many times is on this side of the cross, right? We preach on this side of the cross. We look back. We look back to uh, that cross, we look back to a risen Savior, an empty grave, an empty tomb. And, and it's good that we should. I mean, I'm not saying that we need to abandon that. That is the gospel, that is the atonement, uh, that Jesus' blood cleanses us from all sin. But I, I think it's, it's interesting to understand our, the gospel that we preach after the cross in context of the gospel that Jesus preached before the cross. Because there was great power in the gospel that Jesus preached. There's great power. And I think, I think the early church, they didn't see these as two different gospels. They just saw it as a continuing narrative. That there was this kingdom that had come near to people, to mankind. This kingdom of heaven had come down to earth. And when that kingdom was, in, was within reach, certain things began to happen. And the, what we call the atonement is just part of that kingdom being manifested here on the earth. That kingdom taking up residence and authority and power here on the earth. What we, what we see as the ultimate um, act of God's love and power was in fact within the context of this other narrative that Jesus was preaching. He came preaching, he had one sermon, and his sermon was repent for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom is around the corner. The kingdom is within reach. He started talking about the kingdom. And so many times when we, the gospel we preach, uh, we don't usually talk about the kingdom of God. We, we talk about the cross, we talk about the resurrection, we talk about the new life that's available in Christ, and we should. But I think we also ought to lock that in to the context of the kingdom of God. This is the good news. This is the gospel that the kingdom of God has moved into our neighborhood. The kingdom of God is within reach. It is around the corner. And so over the next six weeks, I want to talk to you about this kingdom. I want to talk to you about how we enter into this kingdom, which is through the atonement, which is through the blood of Jesus that gives us access and, and opens up the door. I mean, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus and through the blood of Jesus. That's very important. But, the, but, but what are we going into? We're going into the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus preaches, he said, repent. That's how you start to get into the kingdom. But, but his main message was that the kingdom of heaven is right here. It's within reach. In fact, when you read this, the, the, the teachings of Jesus, almost all that he's always talking about the kingdom. 
almost all of his parables, you know, the stories that, 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 we, that we read about and you, you've heard preached about, they were all centered around the kingdom. He would start them off with things like the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell them uh, a parable, an allegory, a story. And, and many times when we read those stories, we think, oh God, uh, Jesus is trying to tell us how we should do earth. But he's not. He's trying to explain to us the kingdom of heaven. Because if you could get a grasp on what the kingdom of heaven is, if you could see the kingdom, you would understand that that's what you were created for. You were created to live in the kingdom of heaven. You were created to live in the kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, same thing. You were created to live in that kingdom. And as Jesus paints a picture for us and he starts describing the kingdom of heaven, his whole purpose is to whet our appetite and to get us anxious and ready to enter into this kingdom. Everything he describes, right? So, 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 so he talks about a mustard seed at one point. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, right? It's this tiny little seed, goes into the ground, and then it grows far beyond one's expectation. That's, that's his point. It grows into a tree, he says. Uh, and, and, and so we read that and we think, okay, well, all right, so I'm, uh, I'm kind of like a mustard seed and I need to get really big and I need to get spiritually strong and I need to grow. We, we often translate it from a standpoint of earth believing that it's instruction manual for how we ought to do earth, but it's not. He's trying to describe to us the power of the kingdom of God that even if you just, as, as, as Pastor Eddie preached last week, if you just have a little bit of faith, God can take a little bit of faith and totally exceed your expectation, totally blow up what others think is possible. It's not, it's not an instruction you need to try harder and work harder and grow bigger. No, the kingdom of heaven is like that. The kingdom grows all on its own. The kingdom reproduces and multiplies all on its own. And so many times we take, we take the parables of Jesus, we take them out of the context of the kingdom of heaven, and, and we, we, we believe these are instruction manuals for us to do. And while there's some good things to learn, the truth is, man, God, God is describing for us what we were created for. He's describing for us the, our, our home, where we were intended, intended to belong to. The kingdom of heaven. And, 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 that's, and, and that's, that's the glory of Jesus' message. When Jesus came to the earth, suddenly the kingdom came close to mankind. The kingdom came near. And the kingdom is still near, even today. 2,000 years after he ascended into heaven, he left his spirit here so that we would still know that the kingdom of heaven is within reach for you and for me here in 2019. We are, we are just around the corner from the kingdom. You are close to the kingdom of heaven you're really close i mean it's so it's right around the corner and so what i want to talk to you about today is three points about the kingdom number one uh the kingdom is is a mighty kingdom the kingdom of god is mighty it's it's powerful it's strong it's 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 life-changing it's miraculous as jesus as jesus unleashed the kingdom as he talked about the kingdom suddenly sickness began to leave people's bodies i mean just as they believed in the kingdom of heaven he hadn't died yet on the cross. He hadn't shed his blood yet. And yet as they put faith in the fact that the kingdom of heaven was around the corner, as they repented and entered into the kingdom, sickness left their body. Diseases left their bodies. Dead people rose from the dead. Before Jesus rose from the dead, Lazarus rose from the dead because, because Jesus stood at, because the kingdom came so close to the grave. <laughs> the king came 
so close to the place of death that the things that were dead couldn't stay dead when the king of the kingdom was near those dead things. When the king stood outside of the death place and called forth life out of that place, Lazarus got up and walked out of the grave because the king and the kingdom had come close to it. So whatever the kingdom came close to, whenever anybody got within proximity of the kingdom, there was life change, there was power. And it's true today. There's still power in the kingdom of heaven. Wherever God's kingdom resides on this planet, when you get close to it, when you get, when you get within this, the, the atmosphere of the kingdom, that's where mir- the mir- miracles start happening. That's where life change starts happening. That's where, where newness and freshness and resurrection can happen. Healing can happen in the kingdom. We've seen that happen here at City Chapel. Physical bodies being healed as they come into alignment with the kingdom of heaven. When you come into the atmosphere of the kingdom, this is the atmosphere of the miraculous. This is the atmosphere of power where God moves in powerful ways. It's not just, it's not just physical either. There, 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 there are physical miracles, but there's even greater miracles. Romans chapter 14 tells us that the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. In other words, it's not, it's not a bunch of rules and regulations about what we should eat or drink or what we should wear or shouldn't wear or how long ladies' skirts should be or shouldn't be. This is not the kingdom of heaven. That's called religion. I'm sorry if you've got them mistaken, but that's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not a list of, of do's and don'ts. The kingdom of heaven is not... It's not a regulation or checking attendance marks off on a list. It's not money dropped in an offering plate. The kingdom of heaven is right here. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. These three things, righteousness and peace and joy. Now you want to talk about power. That's power. That's mighty. It's mighty when, 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 when somebody goes from unrighteousness to righteousness. <laughs> because, because to get your body healed is one thing. Um, Tylenol can even help with that. But the real power of the kingdom is when, is when you are unrighteous. To be unrighteous means to be unright. It's not to be not right. So righteousness, once again, is not the ability to make good decisions, although it does oftentimes result in that. Righteousness is, is the ability to live in rightness with God. Righteousness is just simply God's blueprint for the way he designed the world to work. You might have to let that sink in a little bit because so many times for us, righteousness is it's a list of do's and don'ts. And it's something that we read about and it's something that we try to live up to. You know what I mean? Like, like people will say, okay, so if you really believe this, then you ought to live like this. And we call that righteousness. But that's not, that's not, that's not righteousness. Righteousness is to be in alignment with God. Jesus told a parable about righteousness one time because he was talking to a bunch of people who believed themselves to be righteous. <laughs> and uh, scripture says that because the Pharisees believed themselves to be righteous, Jesus told them a specific parable about righteousness. And his parable went something like this. He said, look, there were these two guys. They both went to church. And uh, the one guy stood in church. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. The one guy stood in church and he said, oh, God, thank you for making me so righteous. Thank you for helping me be righteous. I fast twice a week. I give 10% of my income to the church. I do everything, Lord. I'm so thankful I'm not where this other guy is because this other guy, he doesn't do all that. He's not righteous. He doesn't make all the right decisions like I've been making the right decisions. Now, he was very humble about it. 
he said, he said, but all the glory goes to Jesus. That's what he said. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not where I used to be. I'm making all these great decisions, but all the glory goes to Jesus, you know, because he believed. The problem wasn't that he believed his righteousness was derived from God. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that he believed righteousness was a set of good decisions that he was making. Meanwhile, in the same church service, there's another guy in the back. He's a tax collector. People look down on him. He's got kind of a shady job. And he doesn't even look up to heaven. The Bible says he doesn't even look up to heaven. He doesn't even look up to heaven. But the good news is, is that heaven has come down to earth. The kingdom of heaven came down to us. When we felt like we couldn't look up, he came down. And this guy, this tax collector, he beats his chest and he says, have mercy on me for I am a sinner. And Jesus said, now if you want to know what righteousness is, that guy in the back who said, have mercy on me, that guy is righteous. The other guy up front who is preaching about all the good decisions he was making, that guy is not righteous. Why? Because righteousness is not a list of decisions you make. It is an alignment that you have with God. It is, a, it is, it is a, an alignment with, with the way things really are. The way that God made them to be. When we act righteous, really we're just doing what fits. We're doing what is right. We're doing what is accurate. We're living what is correctly appropriate. I mean, it's the truth, really. It's, uh, First John would say it's walking in the truth. It's walking in the light. To, to be right. And this is what the kingdom of God does. It brings people into righteousness. It brings them into rightness. And then it says peace. <laughs> That's, that's, that's powerful. You want to know something that's mighty? Being able to live in peace in this generation, in this day and age, when North Korea is doing something, I don't know, and the politicians are doing a lot of things, who knows, and, and Europe's trying to get out of, or Britain's trying to get out of Europe, and people are resigning, and uh, people are getting shot in the back of the head, and I mean, just all kinds of craziness. And then on top of it, the, our, our, our nation is kind of crazy, but then our neighborhood's a little crazy and our families aren't any more normal than they've ever been. And so to be able to live in peace in the midst of chaos, that is true power. And this is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom, citizens of the kingdom of heaven are able to live one with righteousness, but two with peace. Scripture tells us that it's a peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4, uh, 7 says that there, is, that there is a peace. And uh, by the way, I put this up in the Amplified Version because this is Rose's favorite version, the Amplified. They add about 30 words to every word that's there, but I thought it was good, so I just shared it with you. And it says, God's peace. It says, and God's peace shall be yours. It's a tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, because of that, fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort uh, it, it may be. And the next slide, it does continue because it's the Amplified. We got like five slides for one verse, dude. This is Amplified. That is, and that is that piece. It transcends all understanding. It transcends all understanding. Some, some people think that it, that it passes over it like it skips it. But no, it doesn't skip it. It doesn't skip your understanding. 
It transcends. In other words, the peace of God is greater than what you understand. You see your situation, you see your, your, your life, you see your circumstance, and you, under, you get an understanding from that, but the peace of God is, is higher than that. It doesn't pass over it. It doesn't like skip it. It doesn't like short circuit your understanding. Like, well, just, just, just believe it. You just, 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 just close your eyes and jump. No, that's not what it is. Not, the peace of God doesn't skip your understanding. It stands over your understanding and it tells your understanding that your understanding, the way you're perceiving it, is not the way that it really is. The peace of God is, is higher than my pain. It's higher than my problems. It's higher than my perception. It's greater than what I see. It's telling me that in the midst of all of my struggle, that God is still working all things together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. It stands above it and it's like a garrison. It stands guard over my heart. It stands guard. It's, it has my heart in, in chains. It's like, it's, it's like a prison war that has locked up my heart and locked up my mind. And it says, no, 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 you're not going to run over there. No, no, you're not going to walk down that what if trail. No, you're not going to worry about that. You're not going to stay up all night um, killing yourself over what you did in the past. No, I'm locking up your heart and your mind and I'm going to stand guard over that. And I'm going to make sure you stay like the song says, I'm just going to stay still. You need the peace of God to stand and make sure you just stay still because we don't want to stay still. We want to run around and try to solve everything. We want to run around and try, try to regret everything. We want to run and try, run around and try to prevent everything from happening. But the peace of God stands there and says, no, you're going to sit right there. God's got this covered. God's dealing with your future. He's already dealt with your past. You don't have to move from where you are. Just sit down. Shut up. I got this. It's a, he's a guard. He's a garrison. He's a, he, he's a prison ward. He, lock, he locks up your heart. He locks up your mind. And he says, stop running around. Stop being crazy. Stop trying to solve everything. Get some handcuffs on you. Get some chains on your feet. And close the gate on that. And you are just going to sit tight. You don't have to study for it. You don't have to prepare for it. You don't have to save for it. You don't. I am the peace of God. This is what the peace of God does. It calms the, the crazy, hectic, frenzied activity of the human mind and the human heart. The peace of God transcends, stands above. The peace of God is, is guarding my heart and my mind. And then it says that we have joy, righteousness, peace, and joy. And this joy in 1 Peter 1, 8 tells us that, 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 that in the midst, even of our struggles, by the way, 1 Peter's writing about some tough stuff. It says, even though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you do not still see him now, you believe in him. That's your belief level. And because of your belief level, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's not defined by your circumstances. It's defined by your belief system. And so whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, whatever you're in, it does not limit your joy. It does not squash your joy. Your joy is still inexpressible and glorious because of this great God that you believe in. The kingdom of heaven is mighty because it gives you a joy that's not connected to what you're going through or what you have been through, which is why you can smile in the midst of suffering, smile in the midst of pain, not because you're faking it, 
Not because you're pretending that something that didn't happen. No, because you realize something's going on, but you, you believe in something greater than what is currently going on. Life is long. <laughs> you know what I mean? We get so depressed sometimes about the short span that we're currently in, but life is long. Life is 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 it's it's like it's it's like a parade. I've 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 I forget who was I think it was Chuck Missler who was talking about that. That that life is almost like a parade. Like if you if if you're watching the Macy's parade or, or I don't know what they have in Texas here. They 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 have some parades. And uh, if you're if you're sitting down downtown Buda and uh, uh, and and you're watching that you're sitting there you're wa you see a certain part of the parade. You only see this part. And it, and it moves pretty slow, you know, because they, they drive really slow through town and the little beauty queen is there and, and it's like, it takes, for, you know, they're moving really slow. And you, you, sometimes it feels like, man, it's like, is this thing ever going to finish? Are we going to the next thing? What's going on here? But you're stuck in, but that, that's like humanity. We're all stuck in a certain part of our lives parade. And we only see this part and we, we can remember what has gone before, but we don't know what's next. And it seems like it takes forever, but, but God has an elevated view. His perspective, his peace comes from this elevated perspective and he sees the entire the, the entire procession of our lives all in one snapshot he has an eternal viewpoint he sees all of time at once he sees the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade and he knows exactly where you are in that parade so many times we get so depressed because of that one particular part of the parade that we're in we don't like it we don't like how it looks, we don't like how it feels, we don't like where it's headed, where we think it's headed. But life is long. And God sees the entirety and he sees how your life can change in six months and how things can shift in a year, how things can shift in 16 months. It's interesting, they did a, they did a study, uh, a, psych, a psychological study on, on happiness. And um, they asked people, um, uh, to rate themselves, rate their happiness level based on zero to 10. 10 being you're ecstatic and zero being you're ready to kill yourself. You're just completely depressed. And uh, they, they asked people, tell us how happy you are. And, 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 and they, they chose a location for this. Uh, it, was at, it was at a particular workplace at the copy machine. Nobody's very happy at the copy machine. <laughs> You know, because the copy machine, it's like in the middle of your work day. I don't know if any of you work in offices, cubicles and stuff, but like when you got to get up and you got to go print something, you got to copy something or whatever, like, like you go stand there at the copy machine. And you're, you know, this kind of, this is sort of the water cooler of the day, I suppose, you know, of the 80s. And so, you know, you, you stand there and, and you kind of contemplate life, you know. And, uh, and so, and so, and so, so, so they waited at the copy machine. They said, rate, rate, rate your happiness level. How happy are you right now? And, and most of them rated themselves somewhere like in the middle. Oh, well, I'm not thrilled, you know, and I'm not really depressed. It's just kind of, I don't know, just kind of normal. I'm okay. I'm medium. I'm, I'm just about a five. They rated themselves kind of in the middle. And they said, okay, well, then they came back the next week and the same day, the same time of day. Only this time they left, they left a dime I don't, I, don't, I don't know if they listened to my sermon or what, but, but, but they left a dime at the copy machine, like, like, on the, like on the ground, so that the person, when they walked up, like they, they saw a dime 
they found a dime before they, they interviewed them. And so, you know, they find this dime and then they ask him, you know, how happy are you with your life right now? And we're talking your life, right? Like your life. How happy are you with your life? And, and they were, I think it was like 20% happier, significantly happier with their life, like their life, because they found 10 cents. No, it was so interesting. It's so, in, so fascinating how just little things, just little tiny things can just shift how we feel about everything. I mean, everything. And here's, and here's the truth. You are not as logical as you think you are. <laughs> You're really not. Uh, I mean, and this is not a, this is not a complaint. It's not condemnation. It's just human nature. We are not by nature as logical as we, we are not what we believe ourselves to be. You do not do what you believe that you will do. Nine chances out of 10, we as humans don't do what we believe we'll do. And we could, because we are not who we think we are. We believe ourselves to be differently than we are. We just, this is just the way that, that, we, that we work as humans. And so I've always been big into sociology. And there's a study uh, that, that uh, 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 connects sociology with advertising, which marketing is something else that I'm really into. Um, when, I was when I was hired on at Promised Land, San Marcos, that's what I was hired on as, was the marketing guru. That was my title. And um, I don't even know... Uh, where he got the title from, but I don't have any, any, any schooling in marketing. And so I was just asked to do marketing. And so I had to learn through YouTube University and all kinds of stuff. And so I started studying marketing and reading all kinds of books. And, and one of the things that, 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 that really stuck out to me that I found was so interesting is that there was a study done. Um, I think it was Apple that, that actually participated in the study. Apple's big into advertising. I mean, they, back, back, I mean, 20 years ago, they were, they were leading the way in this kind of stuff. And uh, a big part of advertising is researching before you, 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 you spend the hundreds of millions of dollars on a particular ad, you, you spend a little bit, uh, maybe a couple of million on researching how effective this particular ad is going to be. One of the ways they research is through focus groups. And what they're finding is that focus groups are a complete waste of time and money because people don't do what they think they will do. Uh, and I mean, I, they could have paid me half of that and I could have told them that. Ten years of pastoring, I could have told them, people do not do what they think they are going to do. They, uh, they don't, because they don't believe what they think they believe. They are not who they believe themselves to be. And so they, they don't have any frame of reference. But anyway, they, 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 they would do focus groups. And what they do is they get a bunch of people in a room and um, they, they show them a commercial. They, they hand them out all of the, all the printed material and they say, okay, now how effective is this going to be for you to buy this product? Like if, if you were sitting in your living room, you saw this commercial, like are you going to want to like get online and search this? Or, and, and, and this is what they try to do. And, and what they found is they, they did a little test and, and they said, come on in, the, uh, Apple is putting on this great new product. This is our idea for a commercial. Watch the commercial. This is our idea for a handout, blah, 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 blah. Facebook ads, you know, Instagram, all that stuff. And, and, and at the end of it, the focus group said, this is a terrible idea. No one's going to buy this product if you present it in this way. It's just, it's just awful. Commercial is terrible. Everything's terrible. And well, at the end of it, they revealed to the participants that actually this was an ad that they had already run. 
like 10 years prior, and it was and still is the most lucrative advertising campaign, the most profitable advertising campaign in American history. Brought in the most money of any <laughs> other campaign. Why? Because people don't do what they think they're going to do. And psychologically, we know that when somebody sits down and they think about a hypothetical situation, they think about it logically with the left side of their brain. Because they believe that they themselves are logical people. And so they think, okay, when I'm in that situation, this is what I'll do. But you're not, and I'm not. We are far more influenced by emotion, by the right side of our brain, by opportunity, by urgency, by timing. That's why, like, that's why car salesmen are always telling you, like, this deal's going away. I mean, that's why every month is truck month, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> that's not left brain stuff, all right? You got to know, every month can't be truck month. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, don't we have, like, a car month every once in a while? Is every month, in Texas, every month is truck month. Every month is truck month. <laughs> Dairy Queen is the Texas stop sign. Never mind the fact it's in all, other, all the other 49 states. No, no, no. It's not a stop sign over there. It's like a yield sign over there. But in Texas, it's a stop sign. It's like, you know, because you know these things are logical, but they work because we don't respond to logic. And the same is true with the kingdom of God, the mighty kingdom of God. It doesn't always, it doesn't always fit into your logic brain. It doesn't always fit into, as you're sitting here today thinking, well, have I entered into the kingdom? Do I need the kingdom of God? Well, you might not think you need it, but when, but when the enemy comes against you, he's hitting you from all these other angles. And the power of the kingdom of God is that it elevates you above the schemes of the enemy and the tactics of the enemy and the advertising of the enemy who's trying to draw you and lure you away and it lifts you out of these levels and it allows you to stand in in a kind of power that's not at the same level as everyone else you're not you're not pulled and swayed and pushed and 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 blown about by every single wind of of trouble and trial and difficulty the power of the kingdom elevates you and lifts you above that level it is it is mighty but it's also miraculous the the kingdom of heaven is miraculous because it it, 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 it walks and it lives according to a different standard because it, is, it sets the standard. The kingdom of heaven is creative. Like, uh, I'm trying to explain this. You, you really have to go back to the beginning to see what the kingdom of heaven is like. I mean, the clearest picture that we have in scripture of the kingdom of heaven is the Garden of Eden. When God created mankind... When God created the world, the Bible says in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. <laughs> in the beginning, God. And that doesn't mean that it was God with empty space all around him. It means it was, it was God with God all around him. In the beginning, God filled everything. God was and still is, even though we can't see him, everywhere. In the beginning, God, and out of God, there was this creative force, this creative energy, this creative power. He created, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. These were not meant to be separate, by the way, heaven and earth. He created them together. Yeah. <laughs> Later, they, they got a little separated, but they, he created them together. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and the, the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light. Now, he didn't say let there be a sun. He didn't say let, let, let there be stars. He didn't say let there be a light bulb. He didn't say let there be fire. He said let there be light. Light without any apparent source of light. Light without a light bulb, without a candle, without a match, without, wait a minute, with, without a solar system, without a sun, without planets, without, like, like we, there was God and then, and then he said, let there be light. And we understand from John chapter one th that we know the source of that light. Because John chapter one says, was in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That's verse one. So God spoke and that word has a name. That word is named Jesus. Jesus is the word of God, the creative power of God. But not only is Jesus the word, but in him, it says, was in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light that, that, that was shown out into the, in, in, into the nothingness of our universe at that time. That light was Jesus himself. And so, and so the light of Jesus, Jesus being the light, and that light was life. This is crazy to me. It's light and life at the same time. And we're going to get into this next week, how, how God ties in the physical with the spiritual in the same object. And he's always doing this. They're, they are connected. They've always been connected. We don't see the connection all the time, but they are connected. The light was life and the life was light. And so when God said, let there be light, he wasn't, he wasn't like creating light. He was merely unveiling the beauty and the glory and the majesty of his son, the miraculous radiance of his glory started exploding into the universe. And this is what scientists are trying to figure out over in Switzerland, in CERN. You know what I mean? They're underground. They're trying to figure out the source of life. And I was telling my kids about CERN the other day. If you want to freak your kids out, just tell them about CERN. C-E-R-N. If you don't know about it, go Google it. But their stated mission is to figure out the source of life. And, and, I, and, I, and, and so, so I said what they're doing is they're blasting atoms together, trying to get to the middle of the atom, trying to figure out what makes this stuff work. Where did it come from? And Madden said, well, they could just read the Bible. And I said, well, that's true. But either way, they're going to they're gonna arrive at the same place because what they're finding is that sometime, a really long time ago, oh, I don't know, maybe the beginning, um, there, was this, there was this explosion of power and energy and, oh, I don't know, maybe light that started just, just out of nothing, out of nowhere, just it, by itself exploded into the universe and wherever that light went life started happening and life started forming and things started coming alive and it's in in that light just started and, and god started speaking and and universes and galaxies started creating and forming and and plants started growing and 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 and, and out I and mean, when that light hit the dirt when it, that light got his hands inside the dirt the dirt even came alive and stood up in front of him and became a living being that he called adam God, that light just is so creative. It's so miraculous that whatever you're going through, whatever deadness is in your life, whatever dirt you got, God can take your dirt. And if his spirit can move on it and his voice can speak to it and his hands can get in it, life starts coming out of it. 
This is the kingdom of heaven that wherever death is and deadness is and brokenness is, life breaks on the scene. And some believe the galaxies are still, the universe is still expanding because light is still moving and still, you cannot contain the light of Jesus Christ. You can't contain the life, the life-giving, universe-expanding Atom splitting, forming, electrons moving, life that just, that just, that just, he, he said, let there be light. He just said, let's take the cover off of Jesus. Let's take the veil off of my son so that all of, all of heaven, Hebrews says uh, that when he called him forth, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. Hebrews chapter 1 he unveiled his son and he and the beauty and the glory and the majesty and the miraculous creative power of Jesus so that in Colossians and in Hebrews and in uh, John 1 we understand that everything was made by him and through him by him and through him he's the the source and he's also the process and his light created all of life this is why when you, when, you, when you read in the garden, when you, when you read Genesis 1 and 2, you'll find that there were, there were two main trees. We're going to get into this next week. There were two main trees in the garden. There was, and, and Poppy knows all about the trees. And there were two main trees. Uh, there was a knowledge of good and evil, and there was a tree of life. And Adam and Eve did not eat of the tree of life. Why didn't they eat of it? Because they had life walking with them in the coolness of the day. They... And this is why, like, when you fast forward Genesis, go to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and you look at the new heaven and the new earth, there's no sun there. Why? Because God himself is the light of the city. He's the light of the new heaven. He's the light of the new earth. And, when, and his light is not, it doesn't just illuminate, it doesn't just shine on something, it creates life. His light creates life. They're both the same, the light and the life. This is why when you turn off the light of God in your heart, this is why he said the day you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, this is why he said the day you turn off my light and you turn to something else as a source, you will die. Not because I'll kill you, but because you're removing yourself from life. This is, and I don't mean, I don't mean like, like your heart stops beating. A pulse is not life. <laughs> I wish we could have some more time for testimony time for just bring up people from just in this room. You've had a, a clear pulse, but you have not been alive. You know what it is to have blood pumping through your veins, but the light in your eyes has gone out and the life in your life has drained out and the hope and the peace and the joy has all evaporated. You can be alive and yet not have life. You can be breathing. They could test you at the hospital and yet you don't feel alive. But this is what the life of God does. This is what the kingdom of God does. And the light in his kingdom makes you feel alive. It makes you realize that you are alive. It brings all the details of life to bear and you see them all beautifully. His light is miraculous. It created what is currently, the current observable universe is a billion, one billion trillion stars. <laughs> Try wrapping your head around that. One billion trillion. That's a, that's a number. It sounds like multiple numbers, but it's not. It's one, 
one billion trillion. That, that's, that's a one with 21 zeros after it. It's like the thread count that you got when you first got married of those sheets, you know? There are so many threads that you can't, you just, the numbers don't mean anything anymore. I, I don't, I can't, I can't comprehend 21 zeros. I, I don't know a frame reference for that. And he, and, he, and, and he spun, and that's the observable universe. That's what we can see. But there's, we know there's other things out there and we can't, we can't count it. And then on top of all of that, like he did this big explosion, but then he did like all this little secret stuff. <laughs> you know? All this little secret stuff that, that for thousands of years, no one's even been able to, to, they don't even have the tools to observe. And he just did it. That's what I love about this kingdom, the kingdom of God. He just does stuff because he finds it beautiful. He'll do stuff in your life because he finds it beautiful that nobody else even sees. It's not for the stage. It's not for your Instagram. It's just for you. It's just for him, for his pleasure. He just does stuff. We were, we were Micah and I, Micah's seven years old. He's like, he's pretty smart, actually. He's like as smart as me right now. And uh, we were, he loves to watch Backyard Scientist. I'm getting ready to close, but he loves to watch Backyard Scientist. And it's this dude on YouTube who, who'd like blow stuff up in the backyard and figure out how it works. Well, one of the things he was experimenting with was magnets. So he had, this is like, this is like a really, this is a pretty powerful magnet uh, that we use around the, the farm, pick up nails and screws and stuff. And uh, he, 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 he took the magnet and he melted it down. Like uh, he, he got it so hot that it, it, it became molten and, and it lost its magnetism when it was molten. And then when it cooled down, it wasn't a magnet anymore. It wasn't magnetic. And Mike and I were like, whoa, what? And so, so we were talking about it. And I was like, dude, how does a magnet lose its magnetism? How does it stop being magnetic? And Mike is seven. And he said, well, I guess you'd have to figure out what made it magnetic to begin with. I said, that is a good question. I don't know what makes magnets magnetic. I mean, I think they find them like these rocks in the earth. And so you got to go to Google, man, and you got to get more YouTube University. And you find out that there is, there's this, there's this iron ore that we call magnetite. And it, it's found in mountains. Like God stuck <laughs> magnetic rocks in mountains and caves and stuff. And we... We, we mine this, we bring it out, we find it, and what, what we can observe now is that there's an invisible force around these magnets. There's a, like this right here, you can't see it, there's an invisible field around this. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's electromagnetic energy coming out of this rock, this, this you know, iron magnetite. It's, it's just, it's invisible, it's there. It's interacting actually with your body. It's interacting with, with, with electronics. It's, it's interacting with stuff, but you can't see it. Like I've just created rocks that just do stuff you can't see. <laughs> it's crazy to me. And, and, and it, what's, what's really interesting is that it's not magnetic to everything. So it doesn't pull everything to it. You, you might have this, this pulpit right here. It's not magnetic to this, 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 this fake wood. It, it, it's, not, it's not attracted to it. There are certain metals that are attracted to it and certain metals that aren't. And so Micah and I went further down the rabbit hole and we found that iron magnetite, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'm definitely going to mess this up, but it, it, you have to zoom into the atomic level. You have to look at the atoms 
of iron magnetite. And the atoms are special. They, they have, obviously, everything has electrons spinning around it. Everything is made up of atoms. You zoom in and you see these electrons spinning around it. Well, things that are not magnetic, the electrons, from my understanding, they're going opposite directions. They keep crashing into each other. They never pick up enough speed to create an electromagnetic force around it. But, but this, the iron magnetite, the electrons are aligned and they're spinning at the same speed in the same direction and they create this speed but what makes it magnetic you that's the electro part apparently there's some crystals that do this that aren't magnetic but they are sending out electric pulses uh, but whenever the electrons are flipped all in the same way when they're aligned in the right angle then you have both the electro and the magnetic force field around this thing which is all good and well and you guys are starting to zone out so it's time for me to close but man, as I was, as I was like, Mike and I were talking about this and looking at it, I said, man, that's like, that's, that's, that's the kingdom of God. There's this perfect alignment of righteousness, peace, and joy. And they're all perfect. And it has this pull. Like it has this, it has this, 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 this attraction pull, you know. There's this invisible force. And some of you are here today because of that invisible force. Like you woke up this morning, you weren't even planning on going to church, but there was just this thing that just like, you know, pulls you in. You get close to the kingdom and there's this, there's this pull, there's this force. Sometimes you don't even want to get connected to God. You feel this kind of, this kind of pull, like pulling you toward him. There's this, there's this invisible force, this magnetism about the kingdom of God that just, that just, that, that calls out to something inside of you. And this is what's interesting. This, this, this wrench here is not magnetic in and of itself because the electrons are flipped, but they are going in the same direction. So this is sending out a signal, an electro signal saying that it's open to the pull. It's open to it because this is also electric. The, 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 the electrons are going like this. It's, and, and this is what I found, man. Some people are just open to the pull and some people aren't. Some people are like the Kleenex box around here. If you hold the Kleenex box up, we got some Kleenex box people and and they get, they, get, they, they get close to the kingdom and it doesn't. This is why when Jesus preached about the kingdom, he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If, you got, if, you, if you're open to it, listen, listen to what I'm saying. If you're not open to it, this ain't for you. I mean, I hope it will be someday. And some of you know what it is. Ten years ago, you were a Kleenex box. You weren't open to it. You kept crashing up against church, people trying to tell you this, trying to tell you that, argue with you, and it didn't work. It didn't work. You, you, you didn't feel it, but, but there came a point in time in your life when you started feeling the pull of the kingdom of God. It started pulling on your heart, and your ear, you started hearing. You didn't just hear, you, you heard. You was, everybody got ears, but whoever has ears to hear, like, can you, can you, can you feel the pull of the kingdom? Are you open to the pull? when you're open to the pull man it starts drawing you in it starts pulling you in and what happens what's interesting if you look at the molecular level that when this guy is connected to this guy he changes he really does he changes his electrons get flipped they get they come into alignment with this so that then he he becomes magnetic in and of himself look at this, like this guy But now his molecular structure has changed such that he's now connected to this guy. 
He's magnetic. And this is what happens, man. When you get pulled into the kingdom of heaven, there's a change that happens on the inside. There's an alignment that happens on the inside. And what was not becomes what is. It shifts stuff. Just by getting connect, just by coming into the kingdom, you don't have to. You don't have to learn to behave differently. You don't have to think differently. You don't have to subscribe to a new, a new, a new doctrine, a new dogma. You have to come into the kingdom, and you're pulled in. And as you're pulled in, it starts changing the molecular structure of stuff in here. And you are. This is different when it's connected to the kingdom. On its own, it's not magnetic at all. It doesn't connect to anything. It doesn't pull anything. But it's open to the pull, and because it's open to the pull, there's great power in the pull. I want to open that. I want to open that to you. I want to suggest to you that the kingdom of heaven is near and it's pulling. If you're open to it, you'll feel the pull. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? I want to. I want to give you the opportunity to come a little closer to the pull. You've been sitting there listening to me talk about it, but just talking about it doesn't do it. You have to you have to let yourself come into the pole. You have to come close to it. If you feel God pulling on your heart, if you feel the spirit pulling on your heart, I want to just I want to just tell you it's not difficult. It's not complicated. You don't have to join a church or sign a card. You don't have to come to newcomers meal next week, although it'd be awesome if you want to. But but seriously, just to come into the kingdom is to surrender your own heart, your own life, and who you are and say, God, I want you to change me from the inside out. I want you to do something inside of me that's different. I want you, I, I, I want to be in your kingdom. And it is to repent. Jesus said to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Start of repentance is just to acknowledge him and to say, I need him. If that's you today, would you just pray this prayer with me? Just say, God, I need you. <laughs> I'm tired of doing this thing on my own. I want to be connected to you. I surrender my ways, surrender my thoughts, surrender my sin to you. Let you be in charge and in control of my can be the boss teach me teach me how to follow you stand with me just as a testimony of and maybe has it has it changed you at all has it has it done anything to you <laughs> well here's well here's my challenge to you if you are connected to Jesus then you have an invisible force around you church we say well if you do believe that then you ought to live like this but that we all know that's silly if you actually believe that you will live like this it's just it's just the truth if you are connected to Jesus then you do have an invisible force around you Romeo 
wheel. You got an invisible force around you. Carol's got an invisible force around her. Here's the deal. This is this is Austin right here. This is Buda, this is Kyle, this is Sam Marcus. There's no magnetism, but they're open to it. There's no life, but they're open to it. Those of us that have experienced it, we got to, we, we can't stay in the church over here and celebrate how good it feels to be part of this magnet. By the way, this illustration is actually based off of a lie. This, this magnet is not iron magnetite. This is a piece of uh, metal that had a powerful encounter with a very powerful iron magnetite. And it kept its magnetism because it permanently shifted its molecular structure. And this is what God wants to do. He wants, he wants to take you into the, the deadness of your community. And, and the invisible force that's around you wants you to use it for his kingdom not just for you to make friends he wants you to use it to connect with somebody else bring them into this kingdom <laughs> this is this is this is what this season is all about season of Easter so that we wouldn't stay just connected and enjoying it that we would reach out to and connect with somebody else because it's amazing how far down this chain can go, this chain of connection. And so today, the altar call for you that have been connected to Jesus is to walk out these doors and connect to somebody else, to bring them into connection. And so, at each door, we're going to have ushers standing and they're going to have those invite cards for you to reach out to and connect with somebody. But if you take an invite card, I've also asked them to give you a, a magnet. <laughs> Just a little magnet. Don't like put it in your VHS recorder, but not that you have one of those. But just carry it with you to remind yourself that this is who you are. You are a transmitter of this invisible force. You are connected to the source and you it has so changed you that now you have the power to change somebody else you have the power to connect with somebody else and we must we cannot we cannot be a church that just gathers and sings about this and celebrates we also have to be a church that sends people into the deadness of our world and bring life into it and so as you leave, uh, ushers, can you guys go stand at the door? And I just want to pray over you guys as you go. That you'll find people that are open. That you'll find some people whose electrons are spinning in the right way. <laughs> they're, they, they may not be magnetic, but they're open to it. They're not connected to the source yet, but they're open to it. You may have to come up against a bunch of Kleenex boxes before you find that one. But Lord, I just pray that you would open up doors for City Chapel. I pray that you would open up windows for them 
I don't know, corners, crevices, just, just anything that you can find, whether they're eating dinner, they're out at a restaurant, they're going to the movies, or they're at their workplace, their job, their school, their friends, their family even. I pray that even as they come up against some Kleenex box people who just aren't ready for it yet, Lord, that's okay. We can just keep going. We can find the ones that are ready for freedom that are ready to be changed and come into contact with Jesus. And may we point them to Jesus. May we, may we uh, 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 invite them into the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.